0: Welcome back to Fan of the Fans, the podcast that explores the fascinating world of fandoms. I'm your host, Christina Granett, and today we are diving headfirst into one of the most dedicated and passionate fan bases out there, the Swifties, and I'm excited to show that I'm joined today by Erica Finley, who happens to be the biggest Swiftie I know. So I'm just super excited to dive into this. Thank you for joining me, Erica.
1: Hello, Christina. Is this Christmas morning? Why N? Like, that's how excited I am to be here
0: I'm so excited to talk to you about this. I know that your world has been very tailor-fied over the past like year, year and a half. And so would love to start off with just the basics. She's had an incredible career. She's absolutely everywhere. She's taken over the NFL now. She just had a movie that was released at AMC Theaters. What is inspiring all of this love and adoration? Like, why are you, why are people Swifties?
1: Ugh. How much time do you have? Mother, as we like to call her, keeps us fed as fans. It's actually incredible. And I love that. <laughs> <laughs> you could wake up in the morning to see that she announced something at midnight, and now all of a sudden the trajectory of your entire day has changed. And I think that's part of the allure. That's part of the excitement. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of reflection on myself as a fan when I knew I was going to be chatting with you today. Like, I've been around since June 2006 for single Tim McGraw and obviously You're an OG like OG, <laughs> OG Swifty a, a senior Swifty as I've heard I've seen trending on Twitter which I have mixed feelings about but <laughs> Yeah. You know, and so we've seen a lot of evolutions of Taylor since then, but she's really been there for every season of, of my life. And, you know, you ask, why does she inspire this passion? Why are people fans? And I think the first time that I became like very aware of her relationship with fans was way back in 2010. She did a 13 hour meet and greet in Nashville. That's that's insane the to think about. Yes, and best believe I was living in Michigan at the time, and I fully mapped out how long it would take me to drive <laughs> from Metro Detroit to Nashville. But she we are was- committed, capital letters committed committed. And that was, again, that was her first foray or one of the first forays that I remember where I was like, oh, wow, she like really cares. And obviously she was famous at the time, nowhere near the place that she has in our lives right now. But I was like, wow, she really she really wants to do the damn thing. And I just feel like we don't see a lot of other folks at her level doing things like that. And I have a million and one other examples of ways that she has sort of centered herself and welcomed fans into her home, sent fans Christmas gifts. You know, you really feel like you are the center of her universe while she is an international acclaimed pop star. It's it's really the strange dichotomy of things that are happening.
0: So I love that because it it feels like And I I don't want to bring business into this, but I kind of feel like I have to, there's this whole idea of like, you work with a small business. They are absolutely kind and they're loving. And they answer the phone when you call and then they get too big for their britches. The Southern girl in me says, and then they just start treating you very differently. So it's very interesting to say you've been on this very long journey with her. Yes. What I'm hearing from you is that instead of giving less to the fans as she, as she blows up, she's giving the same, if not more
1: yeah yeah and I know we talk a lot especially on the internet today about like parasocial relationships. Uh-huh, right? yeah you are someone who loves someone who's unattainable, you know, is in a different stratosphere from you. And very rarely is that reciprocated. But she has shown us, you know, her true colors time and time again and really elevated us in a way that, like I said, I don't see from a lot of other fandoms. And I think it's that that authenticity, that vulnerability, that integrity that she keeps showing us over and over again where we want to see her win. And so that's why I'm buying buying CDs when I don't own a CD player or <laughs> <laughs> records when
0: I don't own a record player, you well, know, we gotta get you a record player. <laughs> it's a whole different vibe. As I, as I, for people who don't know my whole back of my office is vinyls. So yes. I I'm going to be on the whole lake. I'm going to bully you until you get a record player. Cause you, it's a whole different vibe. It's a- I love it. It's like um, reading when the right when it's raining outside. It just hits different. <laughs> it's just different. It's a vibe. It's I a pre- vibe. Um, yeah. So I love that. I I can and I can see that I, I wouldn't I feel like I have to qualify myself. I don't think I'm passionate enough to be a Swifty, but I could pass like every TikTok quiz. It's like if you know this many songs from Taylor, like you're a fan. And I always get to like, I mean, there's maybe like two or three I don't know. Yeah. And I am Cottagecore girly who works in tech, so like Folklore feels very much like it was made for me.
1: Absolutely. So I was
0: on the fence, and I was like, "No, oh, she's talented. She does her thing. Like everything's cool, 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 cool." And then Folklore came out, and I was like, "All right, uh, the hater and me just got murdered. Uh, <laughs> I have nothing mean to say. Like this is from beginning to end perfect." Yes, the so hater walking- found dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like her her just like walking in the woods. And I was like, oh, made for me. I'm so sorry. Okay, I'm on the train. I'm on the bandwagon. I get it. I get it.
1: I know, I know. And I hear that sentiment a lot from folks. I bet. Especially folks who found her later, you know, in her journey where they're just like, I just feel like I can't call myself a Swifty because, you know, I'm not chasing every Easter egg that she's throwing out there. And I'm not, you know, buying every special edition album that she's putting out. But yeah. I think that's kind of the whole point. Point where it's always a safe space to kind of join this universe yeah which I think is really lovely and why I think it it makes so much
0: sense from like a fan perspective but also from a just like make that money perspective um, yes yeah. with the the concert movie coming out because I know just I feel like if you knew any Swifties if there's any Swifties in your in your like ecosystem you could feel the palpable despair when the ticket situation happened. Yes. And so you have people who've literally are basically collecting brownie points from like 12 years of fan behavior so they can get a better spot. And then it probably works in the opposite direction because they like did the coding wrong or got the order switched or whatever. And so you have yes. people who are like, I've literally been devoted to this woman for 12 years. She is my religion and I can't get a ticket.
1: Yeah. And yeah. so-
0: and so having that be able to, for those who weren't able to go on the tour or haven't been able to go yet to be able to have, like, yes, it's still money. Yes. You still have to pay, but to be able to say like, Hey, I'm going to pay $15. Yeah. And get like a tiny, a tiny piece of this. I think it's just incredibly interesting. And what I love too is seeing, there's been a lot of TikTok videos of people doing a lot of the concert behaviors, but at the theater, like there's the whole little like coven circle thing. In the yes. And I was like, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> doing the or doing the um, the one, two, three chants, um, like right at the right time. So I love that there's also this kind of communal kind of perspective, yes. even if you're not at the concert properly, being at the concert movie, you still get a slice of that that kind of communal activation where you're collectively surrounded by people who love something that
1: you love. It's that's very powerful. (laughs) There's nothing more powerful. And I I think it's so special because when Ticketmaster Gate happened, she made a promise to the fans. Like she came out very staunchly and was like, I'm sorry that y'all feel like you had to go through several bear attacks, as she called them, to get these, you know, very expensive tickets. And so that was a promise she made. She was like, even if you can't see me, like I'm going to bring you as close to this experience as I can. At the time, we didn't know that we were going to get a movie We, there were rumors and speculations, of course, but to your point, the fact that she could bring that to folks right in their backyards for, you know, the cost of 1989, because believe, believe me, that's, that's what she was selling these tickets for, because that's an album title. And it's wonderful. It's magical. And you can't, you can't put a price on that. (laughs) I love that. So
0: You're in a a unique position because you've been to the concert and you've been to the concert movie. Yes. So obviously this is going to feel like comparing apples to oranges, but I'd love your perspective as a fan. Like what was each experience like for you? Did you go into the movie and it hit you harder than you were expecting? Cause you're like, I've already seen all this. This is like, there's no surprise here. (laughs) Were you surprised by either? Like what was, what was your feeling as someone who's really experienced both? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, you and I can't be in the same room without talking about community. And you kind of already touched on that, but nowhere was that more palpable than in person on the ERA's tour. And I'm not the first person to talk about this sentiment, this feeling. If you're on TikTok for more than five minutes, you're going to hear someone talking about it, but it was electric. And I am prone to hyperbole, but (laughs) in this case, it is not hyperbole to say it felt electric. It felt like a safe space to be like, you kind of felt like nothing bad could ever happen in that stadium. And it was just so positive and so affirming and kind of the culmination of just like every, it just felt like everything in my life had been leading up (laughs) to that moment as dramatic as it sounds. It sounds very Um, sweet, actually. (laughs) It sounds sweet. It was pure and wholesome. And, you know, like you said, we have this, we have these traditions and rituals. We talk about this in community all the time, but it exists within the Swifties where, you know, like you said, you have the chance, you know, that you come in on at certain points in the songs and um, folks are swaying back and forth and people are getting engaged and you're just like if I could bottle this.
0: (laughs) She has.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Kind of as Taylor Swift has done, she has sort of bottled it and sold it in in different ways, but it's phenomenal. And then I'm happy to say that it does, it does super translate to the movie. I kind of want to drag my like non-Swifty friends just to just to have them sort of experience the power of it all because I can't imagine seeing the movie and not leaving with at least a little more respect for what she does and yeah. What she's bringing to the table. Well,
0: there's a couple, I'm going to keep saying TikTok because it is very TikTok, but I've seen a few where like the Swifty takes their boyfriend. Who's just like, oh, I don't want to see this. Like this, I don't like her. I don't, I don't want to see this. And it cuts to after the movie. And they're like, she did that for three hours. Like, what is her workout routine? Like, how was she able to do that? How was she breathing? Like, yes, her lyrics are gorgeous. Like what is happening? And you you literally (laughs) see like this conversion Yes, from like, I don't like her. I don't want to spend my Friday night doing this to that girl is insane. Like, I cannot (laughs) believe I just watched her do that. Like no one's doing it like she's doing it. And so it's just really interesting to see how this is happening. And also there've been these waves of like love and hate for her. And we're now seeing this in the NFL because of Travis Yes. Um, the relationship that she's in right now there's I, I, I would be remiss if we did not talk about swifties and their love of conspiracy theories and easter egg hunting and it is just like x-files taylor swift edition like taylor uh. swift version i gotta talk to you about these fan theories like there's an album called karma that's supposed to be coming out and there are maybe she's gonna be dropping every single taylor's version like all at once i i gotta talk to you about this they're they're musical detectives I got it. We got. What's what's your thought process? Are you are you doing any of these things, or are you just like no, but yes, but no?
1: <laughs> it is. It is not hyperbole to say that being a Swifty could be a full time job. And when I say that, I sit in awe of some of these revelations, these theories, these you know rumors and whatnot. Yeah, I. it is overwhelming to me as someone who's been in it, you know, the entire time. But I think as a Swiftie, you pick kind of two paths. (laughs) And one is very like, I am Harriet the Spy, and I'm going to pick apart every tweet, every Instagram caption, and really glean like what she's trying to tell us behind the scenes. And there are Swifties who are more my speed where I'm like, you know what, y'all are a lot smarter than I am. (laughs) And I'm going to let you all run with it. And you you tell me what's going on. But that doesn't mean that I'm not following it minute by minute, hour by hour to see like, what's coming next. And the joy of it is that she's in on it. Like, she was the one who started this way back when she was putting out physical albums with little Easter eggs in the liner notes. Like she would capitalize a letter and then all of the capital letters spell out a message to the fans. So she cultivated it. She nurtured it. And I think she loves every second of it. So we feel like we're sort of playing this secret game with her that we're sort of just in on, you know, and no one else is. So it's a lot of fun.
0: (laughs) So we also see that there is a continuation of this kind of passion. So they, they desperately want to know more. They feel connected to her. They want to be able to get a piece, whether it's like merchandise or like the popcorn buckets at AMC or the friendship bracelets. Let's talk about, like, we can talk about ritualism and fandom. It, Taylor Swift and Swifties are probably the perfect example, but we got to talk. We have to talk about the friendship bracelets. What's
1: going on with the friendship
0: bracelets? (laughs)
1: I love this question. Um it's interesting because I don't remember this being a ritual uh during previous tours but I was listening to an NPR podcast about the Eras tour and one of the people that was being interviewed referenced friendship bracelets being a part of the fearless tour and that kind of thing, but it has not been as ubiquitous as it has been in the era's tour era. Um, and it stemmed from a line in her song, you're on your own kid. She says, make the friendship bracelets, take the moment and taste it. And it is truly that, that morsel, that drop of whatever that folks kind of take and run with it. So then you see strangers coming up to strangers at a Concert And saying, hey, I'm a reputation girly, do you have a friendship bracelet for me? And they're trading them. And it just becomes this like secret language or this like undercurrent that we're aware of as Swifties. But from the outside, you might think, you know, these are people who know each other, surely they're friends and they're trading bracelets, but it becomes this communal, like secret signal that like, yes, I'm a Swiftie and we have this common language, this common bond. It's really, really wonderful.
0: That sounds so pure, like <laughs> like, this, like sisterhood at scale. Yeah. yeah, it's like I'm gonna come and be with my people. And I, I like I said, I I qualify myself as a fan, but not a Swiftie. I, I don't think I'm there. But yeah. I, I'm very introverted. Um, says the girl with the podcast. Um, <laughs> but, but I don't like big crowds. Yeah, except three. Like I have three exceptions. One is I feel immediate at home at a Virginia Tech football game. Like everyone sure. is screaming, Metallica is playing. My heart is a flutter, and I am surrounded by my people. Yep. Um, inbound, thousands of people, marketers, my people. Yep. And then concerts. And you just like, I, I, I've been to the way that I've taken care of myself this year. Like my self-care plan this year has been concert ticket. You can kind of see throughout how I spend my time is like, that's how she's taking care of her soul. She's, she's yes. going to go to a concert. And so like, I've seen Hoja this year and I've been to of calling and I basically will follow Foo Fighters wherever I can go. <laughs> <laughs> but there is something that like, you're surrounded by a ton of people and it's just like, I'll close my eyes and put my hands in the air. And it's just like, this is my safe space. I can hear Dave screaming singing whatever <laughs> and it becomes my happy place so I can imagine how that version but on just this obscene level with all <laughs> these people who know like that's the thing too is I've been to so many concerts where I am the person who's singing every single word and I'm surrounded by people who are like we're just casually here yes don't imagine that casual person at an eras tour event <laughs> because all of you could do like your master thesis in like her lyrics.
1: Yes, yes. But the sentiment that like live music will save us all just like could not resonate with me more. I think that medicine, was, it's medicine. It really is. And when I think about, you know, the pandemic and you know, the things that were taken from us during that time, you know, live shows are absolutely at the top of my list for that. You know, it is so cathartic, so therapeutic to just stand in a room and yell, sing lyrics and jump around and dance and just sort of live in the state of arrested development where like nothing else is happening in the world, and it's just sort of you and your favorite artist. Like, I don't think that there's any other way to get that feeling, you know? And so yeah, the Ares tour being like the very, the biggest show I was seeing, Um, sort of as we were easing out of the scary pandemic times was otherworldly, truly. I think also,
0: it's just, it's interesting, too, that you see that connection between what music has gotten us through. And I think that that's really telling, because I've, I've heard you say it, but I've also heard other Swifties say it, where they talk about Taylor and her music was there for them. And I think it's I think it's interesting as as she's grown and as she's evolved, she's not just shared her wins, she shared her losses, she's shared her heartbreak. She's been demonized for sharing her heartbreak. Yes. A lot of her fans are growing up with her and they're seeing her get cheated on and get broken up with and be treated like crap and then, or possibly be adored or what does that look like? And so I think it's also interesting that yes, she's on a pedestal, but they see themselves in her songs. How many people have had their heart broken? How many people right. have wanted the dream guy and then realize like, whew, that was a nightmare. Yes, Yes, and so I would love to learn more about. Doesn't have to be about you specifically, but like, how do you see the fans channeling? Like, especially with the era tour, I think that's a really great example of it. Is like everyone self identifies with an era, and it could be like, "That's the era I am in now," or "That's the era that resonated with me the most." Obviously, I'm like folklore witchy lady, but like, what do you what do you see as that whole like blanket statement of her music has been there for me?
1: Yes. Yes. It is, again, it's not hyperbole to say that her music has been there for every season of my life. Um, I relate to her as a recovering perfectionist, as a people pleaser. You know, she really inhibits a lot of these characteristics that are very human and very, you know, the womanhood experience. And I think misogyny prevented a lot of people from understanding that at first. They sort of dismissed her as, you know, she only talks about boys and breakups and it's just so lofty and unimportant what she's writing and I think if you've been around long enough you understand that that is (laughs) so not the case and I do identify as a reputation girly and I think that that so I have to cut off and say like so I'm not gonna piss you off (laughs) but it's it's (laughs) it's about so much it's about sort of reclaiming yeah who you are and sort of and sort of standing in yourself and what you believe in. Like, Taylor disappeared for a year. Like, we did not see a paparazzi photo of her. We did not see a post on social media. Like, she went away because she thought that's what people wanted. And then she came back with a vengeance with this album that is emo and angry and truth-telling. And I just... There isn't a single skip on there for me. And so that's kind of where I identify. And it's just, it's incredible to sort of watch that evolution and sort of watch her pick herself back up after all of this scrutiny. So with all of that said and done and how she's
0: essentially showcasing how she's fighting her battles, either quietly or through her lyrics, Do you feel like that's an empowerment play for her fans too, that they're able to, like you said, like if she was able to use this music to reclaim her power, this is a conduit for me to do the same as a Swifty. How do you, how do you kind of, navigate that. I'm going to kind of cling to this song and this song's going to be my anthem of sorts as I get through this dark place and maybe we're just going to make some enemies along the way while I kind of become my final form.
1: Yeah. I think what I find the most heartwarming is when I see Swifties that are like my age and therefore a lot of them are having tiny humans and these tiny humans are being indoctrinated into <laughs> the world of Taylor Swift, and they're growing up in a world where feelings are okay and vulnerability is a superpower. And, you know, you can be into the basic girly things that maybe for a while you were told are boring and, you know, uninteresting, but sort of embracing and holding on to those things that that get you excited, you know? Taylor has a quote where she's like anyone who makes you feel bad for being excited or passionate about something is not a good person. I and love so I that think, quote. <laughs> right? Like I think she's just reinforcing a lot of these things that millennial women especially, yeah. you know, needed and wanted to hear.
0: I love that. Yeah, there is definitely the whole like let people enjoy things. Why can't we just enjoy things?
1: Literally. Yes. So would love to talk about
0: how when you think about Taylor and you think about what she's doing, do you feel like, and there's no right or wrong answer to this, but do you feel like this has been a part of her plan to build this community of Swifties? Do you see like the strings in the back being like, all right, and the next we do this, the next we do that, or because she does have a song called Mastermind, (laughs) or do you feel like this is just like, this is just what's happened naturally? And there's no right or wrong answer. I mean, it's just opinion.
1: Such a great question. Um, I think to be a Taylor Swift fan is to understand that nothing happens by accident. Um, she certainly has a song, as you said, called Mastermind, which is more about like her falling in love with someone and sort of bringing this person into her her web. But yeah, I I don't think that any step of this has ever been... By accident. But I think for me, it's like when I think about the intent behind it or sort of the point of view. And like I said, she has shown me time and time again that the best decision I ever made was to be a Taylor Swift fan, Um, even through the highs and lows, the ebbs and flows. It just feels like the authenticity is there and she truly does care because I just think if it, if it was completely a PR stunt, completely a PR play, like we would have heard whispers of that. We would have heard something that would lead us to believe that this is all a facade. And I just, I don't believe it. And so I'm along for the ride and it's been a great ride.
0: <laughs> That's so sweet. Yeah. So- So assuming that neither of us know anything that's going to happen in the future when it comes to Taylor, I think that's a safe assumption. Yes. What would you love to see her do next? Like what, what empire do you want her to take over next?
1: Oh my gosh. It's actually insane to think about because like any, everything she touches turns to gold, right? She sort of conquered music we see her moving into movies. You know, she did the All Too Well 10-minute version, she did a short film for that. Now we have the Eras Tour, and it's wild. Like I could see her like one day having an Oscar. I would love to see a Taylor Swift musical. Like we saw Sarah Bareilles do it with Waitress, which was Absolutely a home run, love it. So, like, let's get Taylor on. <laughs> we got we gotta get her an e I've We gotta get her, an EGOT. Is, we got to get her yeah. an EGOT. Yeah. So I think I think the sky is the limit for her, and we will follow her wherever she she goes. So
0: let's assume that there are people listening to this broadcast who are not Swifties and they're just like, I just need to know what the secret sauce is. I just need to know like what is happening. Right. If you were to, let's say, train a future Swifty, what are the albums that they need to be listening to? What songs is like an absolute must listen to? Like, how would you, if I said it was like, this person is ready to be handcrafted and curated into a Swifty, what's the 101? What's the Taylor Swift 101 that we're building for them? How
1: dare you ask me this question?
0: Stop! <laughs> it is. And, and to your listener, this was a surprise. I did not prepare for this.
1: This is fully a surprise. Um, I had a friend recently, a dear friend asked me to create a top 10 of my all time favorite Taylor Swift songs. I think she asked me about six months ago, and I'm still <laughs> curating that list. But I think what I would tell people to start with, honestly, is not even the music, but it's her documentary on Netflix called Miss Americana. I think that documentary changed a lot of hearts and minds because you get to hear from her. You get to hear behind the scenes. You get to see her with her mom. You get to see her political awakening where she says, like, hey, I need to be on the right side of history and plant my foot in the ground and say, like, this is what I believe in. And I think it's just really inspiring. And so carve out an hour and a half, take a peek at that and see if that, you know, is revelatory in any way. But in terms of albums and songs... Like I said, I'm a reputation girly. So if you wanted to start start to finish an album, go with that one because I think um, it's a wonderful ride. And then, yeah, maybe also, I'm just, I'm buffering because this is the worst question ever. I'm so sorry. <laughs> reputation and then maybe like, Fearless is another album that I would point to that was an interesting part of her evolution. And then to your point from earlier, we got to have a folklore moment. I I think that was I love folklore so much. That album was special for a lot of reasons. It was during the pandemic, it was a surprise album, but it just marked a very different tone for her in terms of songwriting and the music itself and so yeah i think i i think i would be happy if folks started there
0: i think that's awesome i think that's a really great start so we will we will we'll wrap this up but i do have one remaining question yes If you were consulting with an artist today in the music industry who looks up to Taylor and is like, all right, I know how to songwrite. I know how to sing. I know how to do all the things. How would you consult them on like how to build that passion? Like what is the like what are the things that she's doing? Like what are the top five things that she did for you or is doing that you're like, I'm a ride or die now? Like, I'm always in your corner.
1: Yeah. It's such a great question. And I do pay attention to this as I find love for like new up and coming artists. I'm just fascinated kind of how they treat their fans and, you know, what kind of interactions are they having with them. And someone I'm very excited about right now is Renee Rapp. Um, she was a Broadway girl, you know, put out an EP. Now she's selling out, um, venues across the country. And I think she's done a lot of really wonderful things with her fans in terms of meet and greets and tweeting at them and just sort of like treating them as equals and not as a, I'm an artist on the stage and you are a fan. And that's kind of where this relationship ends. So I think a lot of it is the authenticity, is the vulnerability that we've already talked about. But I think social media is something that we haven't really talked about yet, but is quite powerful. I read in the New York Times magazine where uh, a Times writer basically said that Taylor doesn't need them anymore because she I don't, has. I, I agree. I don't think they, I don't <laughs> think she does. She has this network of, you know, millions and millions of of fans on social media. And obviously, if you're just starting out, you don't have a huge base. But I think that's how it's built. And, yeah, it's these one-to-one relationships. It's being super authentic on social and in your interactions. And, yeah, just remembering that, like, the reason you're there is the fans at the oh, end of the day.
0: <laughs> I love that. So this has been an absolute joy. I have loved <laughs> being able to kind of see the bright shiny swifty light like that you carry with yourself. If someone wants to learn more about you, um, where can they find you on social?
1: Yes, I'm still on Twitter for better or for worse. Um, but you can find me pretty much anywhere with my handle Erica J Finley. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much for listening to Fan of the Fans. I'm your host, Christina Garnett. And join us
0: next time as we dive into the powerful realm of fandom.